Thank you. God bless you. We are here again. <coughs> um, coming together to get into the business of God's word. And the spirit of God is present here to help us. Uh, you know, Jesus, when he was living, he told us in the scriptures that I will send another comforter. And he said, he will take of mine and will show it to you. And the same spirit is here to take of Jesus and show it to us. That's our desire. That at the end of this meeting, we will have gone deeper in our knowledge of Christ. We will have grown deeper in him. And will have become more robust in those things that help us, that help us in our Christian journey. Okay, so I'm just going to be doing that this afternoon or this evening, depending on where we are. For me, it's this afternoon. For many of us, it's this evening. Okay, so we're just going to get into the business of God's word. You know, the Bible tells us, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There is a making power that, that is contained in this truth of God's word. The Bible says, for the gospel of Jesus is the power of God. The gospel itself has inherent power to transform us. So the gospel doesn't just get us saved. We are also built by the gospel. We hear the unbelievers hear the gospel and they are saved. Believers get the gospel and they, you know, they conform to the image of Christ. They grow up into the Lord in all things. Amen. So the same gospel we hear to, at conversion is still the same gospel. We're going to be hearing until the Lord, until the return of the Master. Okay, so we just get into the business of God's word, even as we have started. Let's just have a word of prayers together. Thank you again, my sister, for this platform to share God's word with us. Trust God that it will be another time of Amen. revelation of God's word. and. Uh, the Spirit of God helping us together in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, our Father, we thank you again. Thank you for the platform you have given to us. Thank you because of the truth of your Son that is made available to us again by your Spirit. I ask, O oh God, that our fellowship indeed with you will be reignited again. Amen. We'll grow deeper Amen. and we'll grow stronger Amen. and we'll grow taller even in our in the knowledge of Christ and in our conformity to him. Spirit of God, help me to make God's word known. Help me to present it the way I should. That your word will have free course with your people and with well-disposed hearts, they will receive your word. And your word will do all of us great good in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I guess on Monday we started talking about Jesus' secrets, looking at um, those things behind the scene that made Jesus to operate the way he operated, that gave him that kind of victory and success, that made him at the end of the day that he accomplished all that his father sent him, that with all confidence, Jesus said this, I finished what you sent me to do. I think that's audacious of Jesus to say. And he said, I have glorified you. In other words, I didn't glorify myself. 
Those two things are germane to us. And we want to learn from our master. How did he get that done? How did he get it? How did he, you know, get that? Did he get accomplished? That I could say, I finished what you sent me. I've glorified you. You know, the same thing you and I too must be, even though we may not announce to anybody, but in our hearts, we have that witness that we've done well. We've served the one who sent us here. We have not just come to, we didn't just enjoy his, his creation, but we actually stewarded it. We actually used creation to advance his own course on earth. And so we are looking at those things that made Jesus to be able to operate, that made him to operate in wisdom. Jesus operated in wisdom, a lot of it, in power. His judgment was, was resounding. They couldn't, his, men of his generation couldn't just understand. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, they were brought to their knees. They wanted to catch him on many occasions, they couldn't. The religious could not. The power that be Rome could not. What was what was what is it that made the life of this man that? And that's what we are looking at. In character wise, you couldn't fault him. In fact, the Bible says, who, who did no sin? He had no sin. He never committed sin once. So we're, we're looking at him. His love was his compassion. He broke all barriers, social classes, he broke everything. He could relate with those up there and he could relate with down without thinking that he's superior to anybody, yet he's their creator. How did he do that? To the extent that even he had this witness from his father, that the Bible tells us, though he was God, yet he did not claim that while he was here. In fact, he claimed a lot of ignorance, a lot of things that they asked him, as if he didn't know that, because he allowed his, you know, his incarnation dimension to take reign, even though he could have said, no, I'm not going to allow this. So how did Jesus get into this? We want to learn of him. Then we also said that why must he be Jesus? We look at the fact that it couldn't have been anybody in the Old Testament because all of them were, you know, they were, they were bedeviled with a lot of faults. All of them had their faults. They had their imperfections. They had their idiosyncrasies. They had a lot of things that, by the time we look at it, is it going to be Moses? Is it going to be David? Is it going to be Abraham? Is it going to, is it going to be Elijah? Is it going to be Job? It can't be any one of them. They were just men of like passions, like us. So, we saw in the scripture that God of heaven chose, and he told us categorically, this is my well-beloved son. This is my son. This is the one I'm, you know, that I'm interested in. This is the one. And he said, hear ye him. This is the one you should hear. In fact, Moses, by the time he was departing, said, a prophet like unto me, will the Lord your God raise him alone shall you hear. And that prophet has come. And that prophet from the scripture is Christ. So we do well to learn of him. So that's what we want to do. And that's what we started looking at last week. So we are looking at those secrets about Jesus. Again, we take off from John chapter 5, where we closed. John chapter 5. Why? And looking at those things that made Jesus to be able to operate the way he operated. Now, we close here looking at those things that Jesus declared at his own, you know. The fact that, you know, I saw the Father had limitations as man. <coughs> Coming as a man, he knew he had limitations. Look at it. 
John chapter 5 and verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, this also doeth the Son likewise. So Jesus did not just heal on the Sabbath day because he was trying to break the, you know, the law. Jesus did not just answer those questions or did not just perform miracles because he was just, no. He saw that his father wanted him to carry out those actions. So Jesus was on point. So we too, we want to take you from Jesus and by extension, we want to extend to our children. We want them also to learn from Jesus because Jesus right from age 12, you know, began to have this sense of assignment. Jesus did not grow to 30 to have a sense of assignment. And I'm really going to say a lot about that when I get to, you know, knowledge that our children need to know this. Okay, now get to verse 30 now of the same chapter. Verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. You remember Isaiah we read? He said his judgment, he will not judge after the sight of the eyes, nor the hearing of the ear. He said with equity we judge the poor. And he's now telling us that my judgment proceeds from my father. I actually waited on God. I actually waited on him to hear how he will have me judge. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. So even though the prophecy that was said about him, in fulfillment of it, Jesus has to hear from his father to meet out judgment. Because I seek not my own will. You see, when anybody, your judgment will not be just if you seek your will. Let me say this again. You cannot judge right if your judgment, if you are judging from your own will and your pleasure. You must escape yourself. You must understand it that you are standing in God's stead to bring out things that has to do with the Father's will. As long as your own personal sentiment and yourself, you are in it. Forget it. But will of him that which has sent me. So, we saw the summary of the life of Jesus that everything from A to Z, it's always about his father's will. It's always about his pleasure. It's always about his judgment. It's always about what would the father have me do. And that is basically the summary of the life of Jesus. And that's what we are learning. Okay. Now, before we get into those secrets, just about three secrets I want to share with us. And for me, these are the major secrets of the life of Jesus. Jesus himself said, he told us while he was here, he said, learn of me. Learn my secrets and learn from me. Study my secrets. You see, at one time, his disciples asked to ask him, teach us to pray. Because they saw that prayer was one of the bedrock of Jesus. They saw that prayer was, it's only like prayer is everything to Jesus. So they asked him, Master, teach us to pray. Okay, so Jesus said, learn of me. Look at it. Matthew now, the book of Matthew, and chapter, verse 27. Okay. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he whosoever the Son will reveal him. So Jesus wants to reveal much of his Father to us, 28. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For meek and lowly in heart, and you find rest to your soul. For my yoke is easy and my body is light. So what I want to extract here is that Jesus said, come and learn of me and take my yoke, be yoked to me. The yoke is like that rope that is going to bind you from neck to Jesus, at your neck level to Jesus. Bind yourself to me. Be vitally attached to me. Come and learn of me. Learn my secrets and learn of those things. Learn my, learn my operations. Learn of me. And it is in this that you actually find rest to your soul. You see, if we want rest to our children, want rest for them, in this society we find ourselves, that there is a revival of ungodliness. The society slides into all manner of, you know, you just wonder what has befallen us in this generation. All manner of looseness, superficialities, no holds bar, no boundaries, everything works, whatever you like, you do. And Jesus said, if you want to find rest, if you want to find peace, if you really want a life of worth, if you really want substance, it's a land of me. The challenge is being yoked to me. You understand? By the time you look at the reward, you find that my yoke is actually easy. And my body, the burden of learning my secret, you understand, is light in comparison to the oral and the arrows. And those things that eventually comes to you in life without knowing me. Okay, so Jesus said, learn of me. So we want to learn of Jesus. In Ephesians 4.20, look at it. Ephesians 4 and verse 20 now. Look at what he says. Okay, let's read it from verse 17. He said, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not like the other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Don't walk like the nations of this world, regardless of that nation. Don't walk. Don't allow the ethnic, you know, those things that shape the men of this world to shape you. The Bible says in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Those who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, all manner of libertinism, all manner of licentious living. Our age is full of licentiousness, lasciviousness, to walk all uncleanness with greed. Can you imagine? You are unclean and you are still greedy with uncleanness, with greediness. Verse 20 now. But you have not so learned Christ. So, you see, this behavior, this pattern, this manifestation, we don't learn that in Christ. In other, in other words, by the time you really spend time with Christ, what we proceed from you is completely different from this, what we see of the Gentiles. So he said, you have not learned Christ. We want to learn those things that pertain to his secret and that pertain to those things that has to do with his life. We want to learn those things. You remember in Acts 4.13, when they saw the life of those apostles, in Acts 4.13, Acts 4.13, <coughs> Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
They saw how bold these guys were, how courageous, how they could stand for their conviction. They were not afraid of the powers of that time. They were not, they were not afraid to lose money, to lose fame, to lose whatever men or man we give to them. When they saw their boldness, their defense of the name of Jesus and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They found that these guys did not attend our, any of our Ivy League. They didn't attend our normal school. So how did they, where did they get this from? And that's, I want to say something there. You see, the advantage that true Christianity gives to our children is unparalleled. The advantage of spending time with Christ the, the, you see, the knowledge, the wisdom that spending time knowing Jesus' secret, secret and plunging into it, what it will do with our children, you understand? Eyes have not seen it. So I want to encourage all of us parents, let's really help our children to really dig into Jesus. He's the author of wisdom. And if you really want your children to be wise, be intelligent, beyond what they will get in their normal school, get them into Christ. And they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. And they took knowledge. They, and they took knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus. That this being with Jesus is a secret life. They found that this guy has been with Jesus. And hear me, if we are really going to really display all that is displayed, how he walked when he was there, we really need to be with Jesus. We need to train our children. And if you are going to train them, then even you yourself as parents, we ourselves as parents, we must model the examples before them. We must model it. Now let's get down into the secrets. There are three major secrets <coughs> that we saw with Jesus. The first major secret I saw with Jesus was Jesus was a learner. He learned so much. And his learning process was you know was more of the scriptures he learned a lot he read a lot he studied a lot jesus was full of the word of god he was full of truth he was current he knew what was happening in his generation he was current he read books he read scriptures he read a lot. you know we're in a time when young people don't read again and it's global disease social media is affecting everybody the attention span of our children is reducing. They can't listen to one-hour message. They'll be distracted. It will one-hour message turn anybody to a solid Christian? In fact, we have churches today. They go to church, 30 minutes message. Then till another Sunday. They can't grow. I see it done anywhere. And I'm wondering, do you know what Apostle Paul did with Satan in Acts 17 or 18? The Bible says, and Apostle Paul took them. For two years, they were meeting in one school of Tyrannos, between 10 and 3 p.m. every day, five hours, spending time with those guys, five hours every day for two years. Now, if you look at that length of time for two years, it will take almost 30 years of our children of today with this message we are doing with them. It will take almost 30 years. And it was Apostle Paul that was teaching them, not just any ignorant pastor of today, that many of us don't even know anything. And what we are teaching them has nothing to do with Christ. So, this, you know, the Bible said they've been with Jesus. So, we must help our children to be with Jesus. And the first thing here is learning, learning scriptures. I told us last week how Eunice and Louis, they were there for Timothy. 
You know, Apostle Paul said, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. You understand? Make, which are able to make this make the wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. That guy knew a lot of scriptures right from tender age. And we must do the same. And you see, these things are painstaking. For our children to know God is a lot of rigor. And I will still emphasize something. I tried to do it last week. But when I left here and I was going, you know, the thought was strong. I just knew this is God. Tell them to do this. You see, we've got to pay for our children to know God today. You must pay for it. I'll get there soon. Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 now. Let's get to Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 41. (coughs) So we are learning Jesus' secrets now. And let me tell you, it can't be different for us. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, this was their annual pilgrimage, you call it, to Jerusalem. You know, people go to Jerusalem, they go to pilgrimage, they call it holy pilgrimage. There's nothing only about it. As far as today is concerned, you go to Jerusalem, that's just tourism, just went to its seaside. There's nothing holy about Jerusalem and your room. Jerusalem is no more holier than your room. If you have the money, you want to go and see what happened, and you want to go and see structures, excavations, whatever, and you want to link it with the scriptures, and it's going to help your mind, why not do it? But it doesn't make you anything better than any other. And they don't put JP before your name or after your name and say Jerusalem <laughs> pilgrimage. Those things are ignorant. They are born due of ignorance. You don't need all those things. Okay, so they went and then Jesus stayed back. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. It's, they really, it's a routine thing they do every year. And when he was 12 years old, 12, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So, for this year now, he followed them. Jesus was growing up and he followed his spirit. And when the day had fulfilled the, and when they had fulfilled the days, as they turned, the child Jesus tarried. He waited behind and the parents did not know. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. He didn't take permission. I probably, I probably think that Jesus knew they would not allow him. They would not allow him. So, he sneaked. You know, a youthful exuberant now. You understand? He, he stayed back because he was so consumed in learning and like that. But they supposing him to have been in the company. When a day's journey, went a day's journey, and they sought him among his kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back to Jerusalem, again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of doctors, now, these doctors now are not just medical doctors. These are doctors of scriptures, doctors in knowledge, both hearing them and asking them questions. So, Jesus sat. You know, sometimes we take a boy of 12, we say, he's always on the school. He's always hearing on the school. They can't hear adult things. But Jesus was hearing adult things at the age of 12. Adult things, adult stuff. You see, the earlier we can expose our children to even stuff like this, the better. Let's expose them to it. They will hear one or two things. Don't tell they are too young. They will hear one or two things and they are learning. In any case, Jesus started hearing doctors and asking questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Do you know we have children that even in secular things, in things that pertain to this life, they exemplify themselves. Sometimes our children does. 
But we don't take advantage of that and use it for the scriptures. We still feel, we still live there. Let them still be going to Sunday school. Let them go and play on Sunday. But when it comes to their normal academics, we, we really, you know, take them to the grind. They go to school. Then when they come back, we still get teachers for them to coach them to do all that. Because we think, actually, that that is more important than Bible. So when, not, when they are now old, older, we now wanted to, but we didn't train them with that. But you see, the center of their life should have been Bible. It is when they grow older, they should be learning physics. But that's reverse now. Because we think they are here to study physics, chemistry, and all those stuff, become doctors. Then later now, they now look for God and put God somewhere in their life. But the truth should be God must be the center of their life. Yeah, actually, God should be center. Someone says, I don't agree. Well, it doesn't matter. But that's what I read. But I think in the future, we'll return to him. And he will tell us that actually you didn't put your priority right. That's right. Okay, so this one, this one, so right from the age of 12, Jesus had their sense. Now look at verse 49. This is the clincher for me here. And his parents, they know, why did you deal with us like this? We have been looking for you. Verse 49. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish you not that I must go about my father's business? Which father, Joseph? No, the father, a father you don't know. You are just a custodian. I don't belong to you guys. I have a father you don't know. Don't you want to go about my father's business? So, what was his father's business? Learning. His father's business at this age was learning, asking questions. Getting to their mindset, knowing how these people think, knowing how they handle the law, knowing, knowing the Torah and the stuff. So, a time comes in our children's life, the father's business is just learning. They must just be involved with learning and growth, learning, asking questions, relearning and growing. And this is what Jesus was doing right from age 12. Of course, eventually follow them home. And for 18 years, we didn't hear anything about Jesus no more. But I believe that he was still learning. I believe because if this boy was doing this at age 12, I'm too sure that he was a learner. He was learning. Any wonder Jesus was full of scriptures. Any wonder, you know, by the time his manifestation came up, you know, and they would ask him and he would talk and he would, he would, always, he would always make reference. It is written. It is written. Don't you read in your scriptures? Is it not written in your law? Is it not written? Don't you remember the story of Jonah? Don't you remember, you know, uh, Moses? And I will quote things that I had to do. How did you know these things? He didn't know it because it was Jesus. He knew it because he read. There is no shortcut to this. So, let me say this. If our children will know the scriptures, they must read. They must know what it means. It is written. And hear me. This thing begins with memorizing scriptures. There's no shortcut. Our children must learn to memorize. Maybe one scripture per day or once in three days. They must memorize. There's no shortcut for this thing. They must memorize scriptures. See, if you don't memorize scriptures, you can't truly go far with God. Even we adults, we must memorize scriptures. We must learn it. I remember reading something from uh, Peter Tanchi. They have his church in, uh, in the Philippines. And quite elderly man, I'm sure Peter Tanchi should be above 70, and he was saying something that one of their vision for this year is that in their church, 
the whole church they will memorize one scripture per week. This Sunday, one scripture, following Sunday. So at the end of one year, they will have learned 52 scriptures. Now somebody can say, well, that's too, uh, that's too small. Now one scripture per week. Have you learned one in a month? <laughs> have you learned one in a month? You have not learned one in a month. You are saying somebody is saying one week. See, that, set a goal and make it something that you can accomplish. Make it a goal that you can easily, you know, you can easily execute. That say you are going to memorize one scripture per hour. You say you are going to memorize one scripture per hour. You, you, which is not even possible. But even a day, to memorize one scripture a day is a lot of hard work. Is a lot of hard work. I did it when I was a medical student. I would memorize three in a day. I would memorize two in a day. And I knew it because it also affected my medical work. It affected me medically, you know, my school work. Because I would spend hours reading Bible. I would leave medical book as if I went to medical school to go and study scriptures. Of course, it affected me. But thank God for, you know, how it affected me. At least I still know Bible today. And I'm still the medical doctor, at least. I still have both. Rather than in those days that I was just medical and I never read the scripture. I will be full of empty head today. Yet I will call myself a pastor. So, uh, uh, Jesus learned scriptures right from tender age. Now, get, let's get to Matthew chapter 4. You remember the temptation that Satan brought to him shortly after his fast? And Satan brought his, those temptations, Matthew, Matthew 4, 4. But he said unto an answer, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. Where did he get this from? Deuteronomy chapter 8. He read it. He read it in the Torah. He read that this was there. Man shall not live by bread alone. So if our children are living by just the physical food and they are not learning the word of God, they cannot truly be complete in life. This is what Jesus said. Man, it is a Christian. Man shall not live by bread alone. So, Anybody that is living by bread alone, as far as Jesus is concerned, can never be a complete man on earth. You can't. The scripture must come to shape the structure of your hearts, of our minds. If you don't have scriptures complex, shaping the integrity of your mind, Jesus wonder what you are, how you are living. Verse 6, And he said unto him, If thou shalt fall, uh, where is it now? Verse 7, and Jesus answered them, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. So in this one you are telling him to fall, to fall out. Just jump and expect God to protect me. That's tempting God. Me, I believe God that God is going to protect me, but that doesn't mean I should go and jump, stand before a moving vehicle. You know, like there's one guy in Nigeria now, challenging pastors and saying that he doesn't believe in the Bible again, that all this Bible, he used to, he used to you know, he called himself a priest. And he said the Bible is a liar. Everybody, I said, is this man okay? Is he all right? And I was challenging one person that you people say you heal. Come and heal this person. I'm bringing him. If you can't heal him, then all of you are fake. If you call me fake, I'm fake. You don't see, I, I, I'm not going to prove anything. Don't bring anybody to me and say, if I don't heal him, then I'm not a, I'm a fake pastor. I don't have to heal him to be a, a correct pastor. That the person even got healed in your presence doesn't mean I'm not a fake pastor. You can't use that. And I see that pastor jumping around to prove and nothing was proven. He was praying and nothing happened. Because God is not into that venture. If you say I'm a fake pastor, that's your own problem. We are not here to prove anything. I don't have any name to defend. So Jesus always said, it is written. How did he know what was written? He read it. He read. 
So we too should help our children right from tender age to begin to read. And again, I said, it's energetic to read. It's a lot of energy. Do you know our children go to school? They go to school. Maybe they resume for eight. And then back in Nigeria, at least in my school, in our school, they resume max eight o'clock and then they close three, 3 p.m. Some, some, some of them even close 4.30 because they will still do some lessons. Some parents still pay extra money for their children to learn everything that pertains to this world. There is nothing. And then all they spend is just on the school. It shows our priority, all of us. And there, there is no time we gazette for our children. Now, let me say this. What we call family altar can never do that work. It's too small. Because most houses, we are not consistent. What do we even do? 30 minutes, we do that work. And then you amass them in social studies, in all these things. They spend all their years learning that uh, in primary school. Then they get to, uh, they get to, you know, back in Nigeria, they go to secondary school, the university, learning everything, how to make money. Then how to live, how to live life. We didn't learn it. They didn't learn nothing. They don't even know it. And then you want their heart to be right? It's not possible. So there will always be a disconnect between the head and the heart. And that's the kind of people we are raising across the globe, whether black or white. But Jesus got it right. He's unlike us. But do you know that Jesus was still proficient in his carpentry work? Because at one time they said, is this not carpenter's son? Another place said, is this not the carpenter? So Jesus was still proficient in his father's work. But the only challenge with Jesus, the only thing here is that Jesus did not make that the only thing. He gave priority to that which has to do with his father in heaven. Now let's look at one or two scriptures more. Luke chapter, uh, let's look at John 6, 45. <coughs> John 6, 4, 5. It is written in the prophets. See it again. It is written. It is written. And they shall be taught of God. See all of your children. This is Isaiah 54. is quoting. Where it says, And all of your children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be your peace. Every man therefore that had heard and had learned of the Father cometh unto me. You see, when we finished yesterday, the thought was strong. You know, I've said it before and I was almost sleeping out of it. That by the time my son finished his SS3, you know, uh, maybe your place, I don't know what you call it there. But back in Nigeria, SS3, that's um, uh, maybe grade 12 in Canada. I've said it that before he goes to university, he's going to Bible school. I'll go and, I, you know, I'll just take him to, I, there's somebody there very good at, he, he taught my son. So I just, you need to go and do it before going to anything. You know what we do back in Nigeria? Once our children finish secondary school like that, we now take them to go and learn a trade. They go and learn one skill or another. There is no time they ever learn anything about God. There is no time they ever learn anything about God. And I think some of us can adopt that. Look for somebody that is proficient. The same way you have paid money for so those kids of yours to learn social studies, to learn literature, to learn those subjects that will help them to become lawyers, lawyer or engineer, whatever you think you want them to be. 
and then you expose them to all the training that Google is doing, that uh, Microsoft is doing, and everything, you find that all this thing is still about money, money making it. I think we should also expose them. If we have to pay, pay it. What will help them to learn about life? It's good for us. I think we should also do that. So we saw something that Jesus learned a lot. A lot of scriptures. A lot of scriptures. Okay. Now, last one more, one more scripture in that place. 1 Corinthians 52. 1 Corinthians 52. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2. By which, okay, let's go from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. So, you see it now, again, I said it that the gospel is not just to get us saved, we receive to get saved, but we also stand by the gospel. You see, unbeliever needs the gospel to get saved, believer needs the gospel to stand and grow into Christ. Verse 2. By which... Also, you are saved. So, we are saved by the gospel. If you keep what? In memory. You see it? So, we must commit to memory the scriptures, the gospel, the word of God, the truth. What I have preached unto you. You see, sometimes we think scriptures just enters a mind. Just enter a mind. It doesn't just enter. It takes a lot of process. It takes, you read it, you, you react to your mind, you take a paper, write down. Try to remember it. That's how to memorize. Write it down. So, take that paper around, like sticker paper. Stick it somewhere. Try to remember, rehearse it. You forget again. Bring it out. Write it. It takes some process for this word to enter us and stay there. It takes painstaking process. Even for me that I'm talking, it still takes till today. It's painstaking to learn scriptures. You see, what, what a lot of us just do generally is just to read. We just read the Bible generally. That's okay. There's a place for reading. There's a place for study. There's a place for um, for meditation. There's also a place for memo- memorizing scripture. You memorize. You take one scripture. You know where it is. Colossians 31. What is it saying? You try to remember. Colossians 4.2. What is it saying? You know, you try to do that. I remember back on campus. You know, I, I was still a teenager at that time. So, you know, so it wasn't as if we were, you know, we're above 20. I was still a teenager. There is no place you will quote in all the epistles. You quote a scripture in the epistle that I will not know where it is. If you quote, just read a verse, I will tell you, no, this is not in Philippians. That place is in Colossians. No, it's not Colossians. That's in John. It was like that. I will take Bible and go to the library. I'm reading Bible for three hours memorizing. You know, I never thought I would be a pastor. I just want to be a good Christian. In fact, the sound of, the, the hearing of a pastor, I dreaded it. But I just want to be a Christian. I, we, we didn't even know what we were doing. And here is a mate of mine reading medical books. Get to Lydia. Lydia is reading Bible. is reading Bible in the library. I remember one exams like that. Uh, which exam now? O and G, ups and gang exam. I failed it. The following day, I've carried Bible. I was already in the library reading. Some of my maids that feel reading that failed, they were still in sorrow of the failed exam. It's not the end of life. We'll do it again now. I've carried Bible already in the library reading again. Reading Bible. Because medical, see, medicine, will, will, medicine has its own aspect. 
my life too as a Christian has its own. And I must not allow medicine to overcrowd and to crowd out everything that has to do with God in my life. Okay, so let's help our children to read. Then let's get them materials. There are books they can readily read. Good books. We should look for them and have their messages. There are messages that we can get. They just give to your daughter, give to you. Listen to this. Listen to that. Okay. Then let them, let's also encourage them to use their smartphones. Not just with browsing things. Let them to listen to message. Smartphones are given to us for our children to be smart spiritually. It's one of the reasons why God allowed that technology. It's for Bible. It's for God's cause. That's my own bias. So let them fill their phones with messages, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with things that will help them. Anywhere they are. They don't have to carry Bible now. So they can just bring out their smartphones. They can just plug their ears while they are listening to message. While they are listening to this. So let's help them to do some of these things. It can be painstaking. A lazy man can know God. Let's just get that. A lazy man can know God. God is not cheap. God is not cheap. It's, God is not just found in the common arena where everybody is making noise and jumping around. You know, all of everybody chasing money. Then when we can't get the money, we now look for God to help us to chase the money. That's not what this thing. God must be your priority. And then they must also see that God is our own priority and that we're transferring the same to our children. Let's get to the second one. The second thing I saw about Jesus in his secret is his prayer life. Jesus was given to prayers. Jesus was given to prayers and praying. He was a man of prayer. Anyone who is not given to prayer, or I'm going to learn this from Jesus, we can't really go for as Christian. You see, the word of God we study will really enter us and begin to change us. You know, the Bible says that as we behold, you know, in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Of course, Christ is what we see in the scripture. We are changed to that same Christ we see as we study the word. In the place of prayers, we enter into subjective experience of Christ. You just know, you just have those encounter with him. Now let's look at Mark 139. So we want to start looking at some of the prayers. You see, one of the things I saw Jesus is that before he entered into major his major ministry, he was given to prayers. Before major event, he prayed. After major event, he prayed. In fact, sometimes event is still going on. Jesus had escaped to go and pray. Before he wanted to do anything major, he prayed. So you saw Jesus praying all, all, the, all the way. Mark 1.39 Jesus was a man of prayers. That's the secret. Incidentally, the secret is just what anybody can do. The secret is just what anybody can do. But the only challenge is that, in quote, it might not be pleasurable to our flesh. And we are in an age that Whatever is not, doesn't give us that sense of pleasure, we can't do it. But the truth in life is that those things that will really make a man might not be pleasurable. Those things that are really, and they might not be urgent. They might not even look urgent. But you are the one that must make them too important by your own attitude. Okay. Mark 135. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. So you can see that discipline. Let's say this is about 5 a.m. Rising in the morning. Rising a great while before day. He went out 
and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. So Jesus looked for a solitary place. Probably their house is not convenient. Probably he didn't want to disturb his siblings. You know, probably because the way they built their houses in those days, they were, they were not spacious enough. So he looked for a solitary place. And there he prayed. You know, some people take as if you must go to a mountain, as if God is on a mountain. So they want to go to a mountain, and then they feel that God is on a mountain. God is not on any mountain. Stop being ignorant. In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door upon yourself. So, there is nowhere you want to pray convenient for you that God is not there. Sometimes, some of us can enter your car. I've had to do it sometimes. Just find that uh, there are so many people at home and things like that. I'll just go enter the car and lock the door. And I'm there. Next 30 minutes, I'm praying. So, you are the one. You know, God is no more sedentary in a place as if God is in Jerusalem where to go and meet him. He has made himself a mobile God to us because he's readily is in our heart. And anytime we stand to pray, God is there. We have see the, the throne of God has become a mobile throne, depending on your own attitude of heart and your faith. So the Bible says, let us come boldly to that throne. Once you have decided to pray now, the throne of God is already there for you. So rising up a great while, 5 a.m. So can we train our children to, to be early risers? Why? So that you can pray. Get up and pray. 30 minutes. Talk to God. You see, what will a child, a teen, with talking to God in 30 minutes? That shows his intelligence. That shows that they are growing. If your child can pray for 30 minutes and it's not repeating words, it's not repetitive, that shows that he's forming words, he's forming language. And for me, that's powerful. Than your child that can only pray for five minutes and is tired. No. Even some adults, they can't pray at five minutes. They are looking for word. They are, you know, they are short of word. They don't know what to say again. You know, everything just dry up like a like a well that has no words. No. Say no for me. You should be able to have words. And of course, as you read the scriptures, you will know what to say. And then for those of us who believe in speaking in tongues, I believe in speaking in tongues heavy. You know, for those of us who believe in speaking in tongues, you pray in understanding, you also pray in tongues. You blow it. Somebody say tongue has ceased. Well, if you believe it has ceased, it has ceased. For me, it has not ceased. Somebody say it's fake. Well, my own is not fake. And if you think it's fake, it's okay. I will still continue my own. Because I know in my own personal experience what is happening in my own life. Okay. Uh, okay, so... Uh, a great while in the morning, he went out to pray. Luke 12, Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, <coughs> verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray. He went out into a mountain to pray. Again, I've told us the reason. He doesn't want to disturb anybody. He wants fresh air. Maybe the house is hot. You know, in those days, there are no air conditioning systems. You know? And that's why I tell people, when you want to build your house, particularly our children, and I'm saying this to all of us, encourage your children when they want to build that. Let them build their house and fashion it into it. Prayers. You should make your house convenient for prayers. They should have good compound, you know, where they can move about and pray. Because sometimes, prayer can be tiring sitting in one place. You might need to move about. You can feel sleepy. And it's not every time that you are feeling sleepy that you have to sleep. Because prayer, studying the word, most of them, they are anti our natural thing. Your flesh doesn't like all these things. 
the moment you say you want to pray, you start feeling sleepy. And you can't be sleeping every time you want to pray. You know? So, make your house convenient for prayers. Make your living room, however you want to do it. Just make sure fashion praying. Fashion it into your house. That we're going to be praying in this house. So, let's make our house convenient for prayers. And continue all night in prayer to God on a mountain. All night in prayer to God. All night. What a discipline. You know, sometimes when I read Jesus, I'm wondering, it's like as disciplined as this. All night praying. You understand? Somebody, and then, you see, sometimes Jesus broke the rule of all these eight hours. If you want to last, you have to sleep eight hours every day. This Jesus, that I'm saying in the scripture, I don't think that Jesus obeyed those rules. You understand? I'm not saying don't obey it, but I'm only saying that sometimes some of those rules might not just work always. Okay. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. It was after that that he started choosing his disciples. So when he met one, he said, follow me. Don't think he put anything in his mouth. He didn't put anything. He had prayed. He knew the person to call and will follow him without questioning. Without first praying, you will call somebody, the person will slap you. What nonsense. How can you just talk to me like that? Do you think I don't have work to do? Somebody will have responded like that because Jesus was as 30 at this age, at, at this level, and he would even call some, some of those people older than him. They could have responded in, in, anyhow, but Jesus had prayed. He knew whatsoever I, I see my father doing, you understand? Those whom I want, my, my father will have me choose. That's what I choose. Jesus probably would not have chosen Judas, knowing that he's the one that will betray him. But the father wanted him to choose Judas. He chose Judas. And he didn't have any regret choosing him. And when he was there, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he made apostles. Simon and he gave us the lists. Now these are people that when he was choosing them, if you are going to look at a lot of things we we look at today in choosing people for our organization, you find that all those things defy these kind of choices. These are, these are not people. You know, an average person wants ready-made men. We want to look at your job experience. Where have you worked? Your resume and everything. You want something that somebody has done. They, they brushed. They, they move all these rough edges. And you just want to harvest it. And are you going to pay for that kind of thing? But Jesus did not do that. Jesus actually spent time with his own. Spent time with their rough edges. Accommodated their tantrums. Accommodated their... All their shortcomings helped them, even when all of them rejected him and denied him, because it wasn't only Judas alone that even Peter, all of them did. Jesus still knows he's part of the growth process. He still looked for them and saved them. You know, you hear something like that. If your friend was not there for you when you're having a problem, he must not be your friend again. It's not always true. It might be a coward, it might be in the process that he doesn't know so much. So you must we must know how to deal with people. We must know how to deal with people. Okay, because Peter denied Jesus. So by our law, Jesus, Peter should not be one of the disciples of Jesus again. Somebody that denied Jesus will curse him. If anybody does that to us today, in fact, we will say that that, in fact, that person is irredeemable as far as we are concerned. Now look at Matthew 17. We are looking at Jesus' secrets. Nothing spectacular, but these are the things we are going to be doing. Are we, uh, Matthew, uh, wait now. That's in Matthew 17. Yes. Mm. 
There Jesus said this, this one doesn't go without praying and fasting. 21. Yes, it is. It is. Matthew 17, 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And so vexed. For oft, oft times he fell, he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. 17. And Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him either to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out, and he departed. The devil departed, and the child was cured that very hour. Verse 20. <coughs> and Jesus said unto his disciples, said unto them, Because of your unbelief, you couldn't cast out that devil. For verily I say unto you, If thou hast faith as grain, as a grain of mustard seed, and he told them what to do. Verse 21. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but prayer and fasting. So if you want to see the manifestation of the power of God, the boldness, the courage to get things done, we got to pray. You see, in the place of prayers, a lot of boldness come to us. Because God is going to rob on us. You see, Elijah, the Bible tells us Elijah was a man of like passion like us. But Elijah said there will be no rain. He didn't just say there will be no rain and he went to sleep. He went to pray. James was one that told us, Elijah is a man of like passion like us. He prayed earnestly, earnestly. Diligent, sustained prayers. I'm sure that's not a prayer of 30 minutes. That's not a prayer of one hour. He prayed earnestly. Now, if our master prayed all night, if our master prayed a great while in the morning, then you know that the public pronouncement, public operations of Jesus we saw we are, was backed with what? Lengthy operations. So Jesus prayed a lot behind the scene and he prayed little in the public. So all those ones that my father thank you for hearing me in the public was, you know, was battered by what? Almost one hour, two hours of my father, you must hear me in the public. So if I are going to get the same done, we must get into praying. We must get into every praying. Now Matthew 14, Matthew 14 now, and 21. After major events, Matthew 14. And they... That at eating were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Here Jesus has multiplied loaves. They've all eaten, you know. And then they were so filled. And 12 baskets remained. Verse 22. And straightway, after the whole event, <clears throat> when Jesus should be celebrating victory and taking testimonies and things like that, just like you and I would do today. And you know, this is enough for Lydia's ministry to, you know, to become global, to go viral. And I'll be checking how many following now, how many people are now after me, looking for me and things like that. But look at Jesus. And straight away, Jesus constrained his disciple to get into a, into a, a sheep and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitude away. So he sent the multitude away and his disciple. So no discussion, Jesus left. Look at what he did. When he had sent the multitude away, he went up 
into a mountain apart again to pray after victory. You see, like they will not go and pray after victory. We'll still be celebrating, eating, drinking, you know, in quote, thanking God for the victory that we had. But Jesus went to pray. Is it possible that after our major meeting, we really thank God the way God moved, we taught after Sunday service, we thought, and then when we left, we you went to you go to pray again. Sometimes that's what we need to go and do. To pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Obviously, this is one hour prayer. This is more than one hour. This is more than two hours. If you read in that context, you find that this is more than two hours. Look at that discipline. These are the secrets. There is nothing to Jesus' life. In quotes. You know, after you know, as far as that three and a half years is concerned, the major secret, and the apostle told us, we will give ourselves continually in Acts chapter 6, when they were multiplying, when the, the, the number of disciples increased, bread, you know, and like that. They said we will not leave the word of God and serve tables. We will give ourselves continually what? To the ministry of the word and prayers. And so and how did they get they saw it with Jesus? They saw that their master prayed. And that's what they were doing. Let me say this. Two things that will help anybody as a Christian to have a sustainable Christian life is heavy praying and sound study of the world. Disciplined, diligent, diligent study of the world. I call it spiritual disciplines that we must embrace. Discipline of knowing God's word. And the way you know it is you read, you study, you memorize, you listen to a message. You listen to messages every day. You have in your bath, use your smartphone, put it there in your bathroom. Don't just waste that time. 40 minutes, you are in the convenience, you are in your restroom or washroom, whatever room you call it, be listening to a message. Your phone must be with you. Let them be hearing. That's why it's called mobile smartphone. Take your phone to your bathroom, be reading. Don't waste time. You are in the train, going to work. You're going to spend one hour. You, you're not going to ruin that one hour. Looking at what is not lost. You understand? Looking at, looking here and there. Be listening to message. Be reading. You understand? Anywhere, everywhere. Take advantage of moments. Moment by moment. Don't waste. Redeeming the time, the Bible says. The days are evil. Otherwise, you waste that day and you have used it for evil things. Okay. So, these are the things I saw with Jesus. Jesus was given to prayer. And lastly, okay, before that last one, let's get to Matthew 26. And finally, when Jesus was to go to the cross, that was the uh, clincher. He was to go to the cross, the, the ultimate of what he came for to do on earth. And his flesh could not handle it. And of course... Jesus knew that even though his flesh could not handle it, doesn't mean it's not his father's will. So what you see what he did? Matthew 26 and verse 31. Then Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. It's going to happen. That which you have read, that I never knew the meaning, is going to be fulfilled today. But after I'm risen again, I will go before you. Jesus knew he will rise again. Now, my question is, why then must he pray? If you know you're going to be crucified and you're going to rise again, you already know. Why must he pray? Do you know why he had to pray? Jesus had to pray. Why? 
Because they're going to buffet him. They're going to say all manner of things. Now, he must not retaliate. He must not cause them back. He must not threaten them. Now, there are many things they do to us that <coughs> you and I, we destroy the process. God is not glorified on the, on the cause. You threaten people. You insult back. You murmur. You threaten. You, 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 you almost cause God. How God will allow you? How God will allow this to happen to you? To happen to your child? To happen to us? Where is God? Now all those, even though there is no overt action, those acts, gyration and vibration has destroyed the work. You see, it's not only when somebody takes a gun and kill. If you hate somebody without a cause, Jesus said you are a murderer. You have committed murder. So, this, so Jesus had to pray and fast. Sorry, he had to pray. So, we see what he did. But after I it again, verse 3, Peter answered and said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. It's not possible. Now, what Peter said, he meant it. He meant it. He meant to do it. But he didn't know this is beyond human strength. It's beyond. See, you will save your life. Except the Lord help you, you will save your life. Nobody can undertake God's assignment on earth except the Lord help that person. Nobody can execute God's pleasure. You can't do that cause that is completely God's without God being the one who is initiating it. Apostle Paul said, I am not fit to be an apostle because I persecuted the church. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I labor more than the other apostles. He said, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. So he said, again, in Colossians 1, the last verse, he said, striving, laboring, according to his workings, which worketh me mightily. So, except the Lord help us, we're joking. Except the Lord help you as a Christian, you will insult people, you will cause back. Christianity is not tough. It's impossible life. It's not, it's not a tough life. And you know, you have to really, you, you, it's impossible in the arm of flesh. Except the Lord help us. You can't live the Christian life. You will mess up. Jesus will have messed up. So he knew he went to pray. And that's why he was strengthened. And Peter did not. Even though Peter meant it. Verse 36. Then come Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And said unto his disciples, sit down here while I go to and pray yonder. See, he was teaching them. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. See the kind of that prayer. See, prayer that will emanate from this is going to be heartfelt. This is everybody. The gravity of what Jesus was to execute. This is, this is the, the, the peak of his assignment. This healing the sick and doing all that. Jesus never felt like this. But for this one, is the peak. And he went a little further and fell on his face. And prayed. Saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass, pass away from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but yours. And he prayed, verse 40, I'll just close from there. And he cometh unto his disciples again, and findeth them asleep. And said unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me? One hour, watch and pray, that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. You are willing. But your flesh is weak. Your flesh will take upper hand. You see, will, you see, the only way you can do this is to go to pray. But of course, Pete, uh, they, they didn't pray. 
they left it and we saw the whole thing that happened. Peter messed up. But of course, thank God for his mercies and his grace. He was still redeemed. Shortly after that, after the resurrection of Jesus, he ascended on high, the Spirit came. Peter and the rest of them knew the lesson. They didn't joke with prayer after that. And we saw it that even at the point of death, those guys said, you two consider, should we obey your God? Whom should we obey is God now. So we're going to preach in his name. Okay. Lastly, fasting. Jesus was a man that fasted. So that's the last one we want to talk about. If we are really going to operate and function the way, the occasions that we're just going to what? Know to our flesh. We're going to fast. Apostle Paul said, in fasting often. So those guys fasted a lot. Matthew 9, 14, they came to Jesus and said, the disciples of John the Baptist, they, were, they fast. Of the Pharisees, they fast. But yours are not fasting. He said they don't need to fast now. I'm doing all, the, all those things for them. They're observing me. But when I leave, they will fast. And he has left. It's time for us to fast. In Matthew 4, 2, the Bible says, Jesus was led to the wilderness and he fasted. He prayed and fasted for how many days? 40 days. 40 days. Lastly, Matthew 6, 16. So, we must learn to fast as parents. We must learn to also, verse 6. Moreover, when you fast, Jesus does not say, if you fast, when you fast, be not as a hypocrite. He's only telling us how we should handle ourselves when we are fasting. But so, that means the hypocrite too fast. He's just saying that how you should do your own. And do you know, everybody that work with God, even in the Old Testament, they saw it that fasting is one way to really, really, really enhance your work with God. Ezra fasted. Esther fasted. You understand? Elijah fasted. Elisha, Moses, Abraham, all of them. And the truth is this, if we are really going to get anything, get anywhere, if we are really going to do well in our spiritual journey, if there's anything we've got to learn from Jesus, is fasting. We must be able to learn, for today is no for food. For the next 24 hours, no food. Or you want to say for the next one week, I want to fast for one week. I want to fast for one month, depending on how you, you want to discipline yourself and how far you want to go with God. These are some of the secrets that I saw with Jesus. Of course, like I, other thing I said, Jesus discussed a lot. That's the process of learning. You know, learning from people. So at this junction, I want to say that uh, if we know the secret, the secret of getting into God's word, praying consistently and diligently and fasting on a regular basis, it will amaze us in the process of time what has happened to us and what is happening to us. These are the secrets I saw with Jesus. And I believe that uh, as we diligently and uh, consistently and steadfastly practice these things, it will amaze us the kind of people and individuals that we emerge out of us. Thank you and God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Um, I'm going to try and go through the comments and see whether there is anybody asking you any question or if they are bringing anything.
to what you have said. Um, what more could I possibly say than to give God the praise uh, <coughs> um, as a platform where parents or custodians of God gather to see how we can raise godly children. Um, I'm so grateful for some of the things that you have brought to the table this evening. Um, I think Bishop Oluwakwelumi, uh, um, he makes a comment, he says, helping our children to memorize the Bible, great challenge. Thanks, sir. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm not really sure if it's a challenge, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's something I've always advocated. You've spoken so extensively about the sooner that we can get them into the word, how we have prioritized uh, education, the mainstream education as we understand it. Uh, we've prioritized that about over uh, the spiritual growth of our children. We've prioritized it in terms of where would they spend eternity. It's interesting because I've always said to them, um, my <coughs> chemistry, science, biology, name it. Um, it's all about preparing us to be able to work in the workplace. It's knowledge that is equipping us to be able to <clears throat> uh, secure a job for our livelihood. But the one that is where we're going to spend eternity, <clears throat> nobody <clears throat> or very few parents have caught on to that necessity and that revelation. Like you said in your school, uh, you said some parents, even after three o'clock closing time, they'll still pay money to have their children receive extra. And we do the same thing here. Uh, we pay, we don't, um, I, I don't know how Canada operates, but here, um, many of our schools are not, are funded by the government, so we don't pay. Uh, so many of the teachers will, um, if they feel that the children are lacking in the subject, they might offer an hour or two on a weekly basis to help the children that are lagging behind, sort of thing. And it's optional. You can come or not come. Nobody decides who comes. Uh, the teacher just says, I'm available to do this, and whoever wants to come will come. Um, unlike you said, on, in the African continent, many of us have to pay for those kind of things. And many of us will pay gladly. But here, many of us, we are having to pay for private tu tuition, pri private tutors. And it has become a business across the globe. Uh, because we know uh, that, you know, we don't do exams here. I don't know whether you are aware of that. We don't do exams. Don't the only listen. exams we do... Okay, your audio is gone again. I hear your mouth moving, but I don't hear you. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I hear you. Okay. Now I hear you. Okay. I don't we understand. Don't do, we don't do first-term exams, second-term exams, third-term exams. Okay, you do continuous do assessment? We don't do exam in GSS 1, GSS 2, GSS 3 to determine whether we go on to the next year. We don't do that. 
So what do you do? We is continuous assessment, test, all those kind of things. That's why our children will always beat yours. Okay, thank you. That's why when we come from Nigeria, we beat you guys. We don't see how we thank are beating you. you. I'm, I'm is it true? I've seen the education. I'm not going to argue that one. I've but seen it. our children from here, our children from here excel as well. Uh, it might not just be the same proportion or the same ratio. Uh, and that's the, this is where the difference come in, uh, Pastor Lady. This is where the difference come in because uh, many of us that understand and value education as we do, we now, we will pay for that tutors. We will pay for those private tutors. I've had tutors in my home. We've had tutor in the local library. We will pay and it's not cheap for us to pay that. Um, I've paid something as much as £30, £35 an hour to have tutors uh, <coughs> tutor our children in areas where they're not so strong. So I'm just trying to give you some idea of the kind of uh, time and things that we do. So because, like I said to you, if there's no exams and they're just pushing everybody on, exactly and then but then we now get to gcse uh which they do at the age of 16 and everybody has to do that so if they've not been tested throughout um so you can understand mm. so it's really the onus is on the parents to be on board and that's a challenge on its own because many parents has come from a different continent entirely where the educational system is completely different mm. they don't understand the educational system how it works where they are and they just think you know ah, the way we am coming you know everybody's monitoring the children no nobody's monitoring your children you better get on board and start monitoring your children yourself and i i can cite many incidents we'll get there another day where you know before parents realize their children are way behind wow because they thought this is how it's being done, but because they didn't do their due diligence mm. to find out how the educational system works, wow. in, you know, get themselves involved and make sure that my children are where they need to be. Wow. Anyway, like I said, so <coughs> we, some of us are used to paying, even we pay for things like uh, piano lessons, music lessons, and they're not cheap. We pay for all these things, but we never, ever ever rarely pay anybody to teach our children the word of god it does in fact when you suggest it, it's like an abomination and then you get things like oh freely you've been given freely you should give <laughs> maybe i should help i should ask you to help us talk on that topic freely okay. we've been given freely we should give and again it's one of those scriptures that we've just bastardized it, twisted it to suit our liking. But many people will go to seminary and they will pay. They will go to theology, they will pay. But then when it comes to your children being taught, like you said, you know, their time span, and I'm so glad you brought that up as well, their time span. Their time span is so short. So how do you engage uh, the late Ravi Zachariah? I don't know whether you remember, you know him at all. Oh, Ravi Zachariah, yes, Okay, he said something, and I remember quoting it that time. He says, how do you engage children whose idea of time span is thinking with their emotion, reasoning? He said, how do you engage them? 
and it's true it's it's a pandemic that we have in our hand um they can't listen to anything more than due to youtube and instagram you know they restrict you on certain platform only one minute so you've got to say everything do everything you want in that minute so our children have been customized or climatized to if it's more than 15 minutes you've lost their attention and that's why when you're saying that churches are cutting to 30 minutes because they know that after 30 minutes they're not listening they didn't hear. I, I don't agree with some of those things I, I'm not saying we should. I'm, we're just talking about what is obviously... I, I dictate. You're not you. Okay. When I set a platform, this is what I want to do. This is what you're adjusting to. I can't teach less than one hour on a regular basis. That one hour, I just give you average. But 30 minutes is a no for me. If you're coming to church, this is what we are creating for you. You see, I'm not of this world. And in, in as much as I know what the society is offering, I can't totally allow the society to squeeze me into its mold. Otherwise, we won't get anything done. And do you know if we train our children in this after this manner, that's what they will get used to. Then let me just say this. You said something so freely you receive, freely you get, you give. Freely you have received, freely you give. What Jesus was saying there is when you heal the sick. <laughs> wasn't talking about teaching. If somebody is going to teach you Bible, except he chooses to teach you freely. Freely. But you pay. It's a school. Apart from that, if somebody says, okay, we're coming to church. This is the church I attend. Do you know you actually, it's not free to. You give offering. That's why you can, you're able to sustain that. In fact, when you are not giving offering, and your pastor is teaching you like that, the Bible consider it as cheating. That's just the truth. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse, uh, let me see it. 2 Corinthians 11, verse, um, yeah, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 7, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. In other words, this one I'm teaching you free, freely and I'm not taking anything. Don't think it's free. Uh, you see, for my, own, for my life to, to have sustainability, because the person teaching you need life. You need to buy things. You need to eat. You need to be a human being. The truth is, when you don't give to me, to take care of me, somebody must give that money. He said, I rob other churches mm. to do you, taking wages to do you service. So, service, exactly. somebody created, for instance, I told you that my son, shortly after his exam, is going, I'm going, I'm getting him somebody who is going to take, I was paying, I paid for my son the last time. I'm going to pay for it. Even if he says it's free, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. I'm going to pay. For that service, because I'm using his time, let us well use that time for another thing. And you are using your own time. Why don't you create that time too? You are using your own time to go and make money. And you are now telling a brother in the church to go and use his own time to be teaching your child. And you are not going to pay. What kind of thing is that? And you are using your money to go and pay for physics. Are you saying physics is more important than Bible knowledge? Yes. Then let that me say this what, our children are not learning Bible because of eternity. 
they are learning Bible so that they can live normal life here. You see, if you don't know God, you can't live a normal life. Your life is out of is out of balance. You will only get to that side to know that you have been out of balance. You never knew. So for them to live a robust life that will glorify God, that will please God, they need to learn that here. That's what we're saying. They need to learn that here. Like I said, um, yes, so we we are saying that uh, the science, the chemistry is more important because we all know wherever wherever we, uh, didn't Jesus say, is you know, it says store your what? It says store it in heaven. But because wherever you store it, that's where your heart is. So wherever you decide to put your money, that's what is priority to you. Mm. So the science, the chemistry, getting good GCSE, A-level result, getting into good university, that is the priority. And, uh, and as a result, that's where people will put their money. But I'm so glad you <coughs> and I never had this conversation. And I'm glad that you're, you're bringing it on board. And if there are people that are hearing it for the very first time, uh, these are things that I do. Um, I teach every Saturday. Um, there are some I do it free. I do it over the internet. I do do free. Um, there are um, there is a church in Nigeria. I teach their children every Saturday. I do it six times in a year, and the only reason I do that is because of our time changes. So when our time changes in October. I have to stop for the next six months because it now clashes with the church program. And I don't take a penny from them. And the number has been growing. When we first started Pastor Lide, I was struggling to even get three children through the door. By the time we stopped in October last year, we had close to 20 children that just started to turn up of their own volition. And I, only yesterday I, I messaged their pastor to say, uh, the last Sunday in, October, uh, in March, our clock is going to change again. And he said, yes, I'm already preparing the next session for us to start again in April. So there is some of us that we are already doing it. And there are some I do not, I do, I do not do free. And I tell the parents. But we are struggling to believe that we need to invest, just like we invest in everything else, to invest in the lives of our sons and daughters, their spiritual growth, their spiritual understanding, their spiritual maturity, like you said, for them to learn how to live here. They need to know how to live here. They need to know how to conduct themselves here. Why? Because Jesus says, you are not of this place. <coughs> Very true. They are strangers and foreigners here. Very true. So they need to know how to conduct themselves while they're here. Yeah. Excellent. Otherwise, how would they be able to go back to where they are coming from? But anyway, like I said, so I'm so um, I'm so glad that you were able to bring that, and I pray that people are latching on to this and taking it on uh, as you have brought it to the table. That we'll learn to prioritize the growth of our sons and our daughters, um, the fasting, the prayer, the time in the Word of God prioritizing God in everything that our children will do. But you said something, Pastor Lady, and that's where I'm going to stop. Pastor Lady, if you're not praying, what right do you have to ask your children to pray? If they're not seeing you praying, if you're not reading the word of God, 
What right do we have to ask our children? And many of us, we're teaching our children one thing, but we're living another lifestyle. That's something else. That's mm. contradiction for a young child. <coughs> That's contradiction. Mm. So which one is it? Do I do what my dad is doing or mm. do I do what my dad is saying? Which one? <laughs> I do what he's saying. Oh, okay. Because you tell me uh, this is what I need to do, this is how I need to behave, but then I see your conduct and your behavior in certain situations and it's contradicting what you're telling me. So, which one is it? Uh, well, I, as parents, if I messed up before that, I can actually tell them this is not what the Bible says. I messed up in that behavior. So, don't follow me in that. Bible is still a standard. Parents too should also admit that before their children. Okay. So, you should That's be able to be honest. I've had to do that with my children. I messed up that time. That's not what the Bible says. I've repented. This is what the Bible says. The Bible is a standard. So they will learn that. So okay. we should also Thank be sincere God with our children. Are... Okay. I'm so glad that you, put that you put that on the table as well because that's the thing. We put up an artificial front. You are humble enough to be able to say to your children, I messed up. Yeah. But the bulk of the time, we cannot admit to our children we messed up. Why? We are not exactly. God. Exactly. Stop. Exactly. So, uh, again, I mean, these are just, uh, I think, that, you know, there'll be an opportunity for practical application mm. of parenting mm. in raising up godly children. Mm. Pla practical, not just, okay, yeah, we know what the word of God is saying, but how do I actually physically implement it? Mm. Because I'm getting the gist that some people are just hearing for the first time that they can pay somebody to teach their children the word of God. And I'm just going to put a word of caution out there. Please evaluate, assess that person that's going to teach your children. Very first. true. Very, that's, Do that's not jump. Don't say because you've had on a, uh, a forum <coughs> platform somewhere they say it. Oh, you look like... No. Assess them. Evaluate them. Co communicate with the person. Mm. Look through what they're mm. teaching. Go to some of their classes. Mm. See what it is they're mm. doing mm. before you subject your children to Very them. true. Very true. So, Very true. I, I don't trust the... the I, don't, I don't trust my children to anybody anyway before... If, in any area, unless I know you, when I assess you, I evaluate you. The same thing you should do with me. If you don't know what substance I possess, don't, don't relinquish your children into my hands. You have every right to do that. Mm. And so, um, if you're hearing for the first time that it's something that is available, and by the way, we do ours online. So, regardless of where you are across the globe, if you want your children to be part of, we call it Saturday Bible School. It's only one hour. Wherever you are across the globe, it's one hour. We do it every Saturday. So, if you want to join us, please uh, message me on any of the platform and i will respond to you and please don't expect it's going to be free because it is not free my time is not free my books are not free my uh, courses were not free um just like pastor lady said i could use my time to do something else but i chose to use <coughs> to teach and that you you go you go to work you get paid for giving your time so if i'm giving my time to teach your children 
do the honourable thing. Um, so I'm trying to have a look again to see whatever it is. Uh, Jesus secret, learning, prayer, fasting. Great. Um, I'm just, um, yeah, that's really all there is, Pastor Lighty. And obviously everybody is grateful for your time and the fact that you've come on board. So we're very grateful, sir, for your time. Yeah, thank and you. it looks like it's next week, Wednesday, that we're going to be seeing you again, by the grace of God. Unless, obviously, uh, please let me put this out there again. You can see Pastor Lide, uh every Sunday if you are on the same time zone as me. That will be 8 p.m. GMT time. 8 p.m. GMT time. If you want to see uh, Pastor Lide live uh, as the lead pastor of integrity worship center but he's presently in canada and their service time is still online by the way so you can join them online live on youtube live on facebook every sunday 1 p.m mountain standard time 1 p.m and that 1 p.m is 8 p.m gmt time so if you can work it out wherever you are across the globe so if you are in nigeria that will be 9 p.m your time in Nigeria. If you're in South Africa, that will be 10 p.m. your time and so forth and so forth. So if you want to connect live with Pastor Lady, and if you just want to catch up to any of his uh, teachings, obviously, uh, you can always go to Praying Child Community on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, 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 thank you. And you can do that. We've, we've created a playlist for Pastor Lady. Uh, for all the messages that he has impacted on to us. And obviously, you will find the Exchange Center on YouTube. You will also find them on Facebook as well. Uh, Pastor Lady, I've always got to do this because you never know who's meeting you for the very first time. And they want to connect with you or they come across you. Um, so we always need to give that information. So I think it's a good place to let you go, sir. I know it's still very much afternoon your time. So thank you very much. God bless you. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, maybe uh, I should. God's... Okay. Go on, sir. Maybe I should use the time to still remind people that uh, I took a message on Sunday. Tomorrow we leave. Yes. That's a message that you want to listen to, and I'll be taking part two this Sunday, one p.m. In fact, the message is so. Um, uh, grave to me that I've decided to write a book on it. Oh, By God's okay. grace, I must write that book with immediate effect. Okay. Tomorrow we leave. It's a message you, a Christian, must listen to. Mm. Okay. Thank you again. Um, I think we just need to bring some clarity because when you mentioned this on Monday, I thought is leave as we're leaving this world. Uh, but it's L-I-V-E. Yes, tomorrow we leave. Because I know we across it. Yes. Uh, you have to remember our uh, uh, accent and uh, Okay, so what's, your, what's, what's the pronunciation? <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow we L-I-V-E. <laughs> we live. <laughs> it's so different across the globe. Uh, don't worry, everybody. I will ask Pastor Lady to just send me the post because I saw the post. And it was when I saw the post and I was like, oh, okay, it's L-I-V-E. Okay. So it's not that we're leaving this world. It's not tomorrow we leave. It's tomorrow we live. Okay. We live. 
Okay, so please, if you, um, um, uh, uh, I will ask him to send it to me anyway, so that I'm trying to see whether I can find it online and actually just uh, show everybody so that you can see it for yourself. So, is tomorrow we, we leave has been alive. We are alive. Tomorrow we leave. World, but that we are alive. Um, Pastor Lide will do short Um So... For anybody, well, okay, um, I know it's on your page, and I'm trying to display that on your page tomorrow we leave. There is a post there on your page. That's the message. Okay, here we are. It was when I saw this flyer, so I'm going to show this to everybody so you know exactly what Pastor Lady is talking about. So that's the post there, everybody. You see, tomorrow we live, okay? Mm. Uh, and that's his page on the, on uh, Facebook. So, and you will find the message there as well. So that's the flyer, we live. So you can see an arrow saying tomorrow, and this one saying yesterday, tomorrow we live. So, and like I said, if you want to hear the message, that's actually the message, tomorrow we live. So anybody that wants to catch up, you can catch up with Pastor Lady there by the grace of God. You see, advantage of technology, we can display everything. So, <laughs> Pastor Lady, we are so grateful for Thank your you. time. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you, God willing, online on Sunday, and then we'll see you ourselves. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Again, Pastor Lydie has downloaded so much, so much for us, and all I can do is encourage you. There's so many things I make notes. Some of you might even have hear my keyboard going. Uh, some of my notes that I'm putting online. Uh, it's